1: is all about investing in commercial real estate. So it's a new twist on some of our other guests. I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Doug Marshall. Let me tell you all about him. He is a veteran real estate professional of nearly 40 years and has massive experience in financing. For the past decade, he has also invested in several rental properties. He's the author of the new release, Mastering the Arts of Commercial Real Estate Investing, How to Successfully Build Wealth and Grow Passive Income from Your Rental Properties. And we'll definitely be diving into that book. By reading this book, you can learn real estate principles acquired from his success and failures of both himself and his clients. So you're going to hear from a lot of different perspectives. His goal is to show you how to bolster your income and begin the process of building wealth today through real estate. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to put in that introduction?
2: Uh, Nancy, you did an outstanding job with that. Uh, That was perfect. Thank you for having me on your podcast show.
1: Super excited. And as a real estate investor myself, I've got some questions I want to learn about. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, what do you consider commercial real estate, Doug? Is that just multifamily apartments or shopping malls, office? What's included?
2: Well, um, my definition for uh, commercial real estate is It includes anything from uh, single family investing, uh, you know, uh, to uh, apartments, to other property types, office, retail, industrial. It's investor-owned real estate that has positive cash flow.
1: I like that. Positive cash flow is always nice. I remember my first rental property, and at the end of the month, I had $50, and I said, that counts as positive cash flow.
2: That's a start.
1: (laughs) It is a start. And 14 years later, it's definitely kicking off some enough income to pay for my mortgage in my house. So I'm all about helping people get invested in this. So people that are new, what are some questions people should ask before buying their first real estate property?
2: The, the, the real question is, um, a lot of people, I believe the number one problem for, for new investors uh, getting started is fear. You know, they have a fear of failure, a fear of un- the unknown uh fear of looking foolish in the eyes of their family and friends. And, and I understand their fear. I, for most of us investing in real estate is a big leap into the unknown. Uh, it was for me, uh, even with my experience in the, on the financing side, but it doesn't have to be this way. Every new investor could take away much of that uncertainty of real estate investing by answering, uh, five questions before they buy their first rental property. So, um, uh, we probably don't have uh, the time to go through all five right now, but I can give you a, uh, a couple that I think are very important. And the Definitely. first question is, do I want to be an active or passive real estate investor? Uh, by active, I mean, is someone who makes all the decisions such as what property to buy and how much to offer things of that sort. And a, a passive investor on, uh, on the other hand, is someone who allows somebody else to, to make those decisions. And, Uh, surprisingly many new investors don't realize that being a passive investor is an option. But let's say you want to be an active investor. You still have a couple of choices you need to make. You um, need to find out whether you would like to uh, be a solo investor um, uh, or do you want to um, uh, be the decision maker for a group of commercial real estate investors. So the advantage of being a solo investor is that you don't have any, anyone else to satisfy about your commercial real estate investment strategy, but, but the disadvantage of going it alone is oftentimes you don't have the financial resources to buy anything more than a small rental property, like a, maybe for example, a duplex. So you have to, you have to make the decision. What do you want to do? You want to be a solo investor, or do you want to uh, pool resources and, and hopefully be able to buy a larger property? But the other side of this is, uh, let's say for the moment, you'd rather be a passive investor. You still have a couple of choices you need to make. You need to ask yourself, who do I want to invest with? Uh, A traditional sponsor with a proven track record in the local market? Or do I want to find a sponsor through a crowdfunding portal? And there is no doubt in my mind that every major real estate market in the country has several reputable commercial real estate sponsors that are looking for people like you to be passive investors in their next real estate venture. venture. So you need, they need you and and you need them. It's truly kind of a symbiotic relationship. Um, And uh, you might be thinking right now, how do I find a a commercial real estate sponsor? And I would suggest you start by reading my book. I I give uh, definite uh, answers to that question. And in recent years, crowdfunding sources on the internet have come into being uh, to fill the role of the, you know, the savvy uh, commercial real estate sponsor. And before you seriously consider crowdfunding, uh, you need to fully understand the advantages and the risks associated with crowdfunding. Again, I read my book, I, I give a, a good explanation of what to do and what not to do. So okay. those are the first couple of questions that, that uh, a, a new investor should be asking themselves.
1: Those are really good questions. I wish I would have thought of those because I just assumed I was going to run everything, and I did. That's I wore all the hats. I even drove over to my property every weekend and cut the grass, and I had two properties that were just a half a block apart. And I'm looking back now thinking, what was I thinking? Why didn't I just pay someone to do it for $20 uh, for both lawns? So those, I wish I would have had that, and I'm assuming that kind of stuff is in your book? Yes, it is. Well, let's, let's just jump right into your book then. What is, I gave the title, but who should read it and what are they going to learn?
2: Good questions. Um, I, I would begin by saying that there are lots of books out there right now on commercial real estate investing. There are hundreds. And I believe this book is different from those books for two reasons. Uh, one is most real estate investing books are written from the perspective of the author what he or she has learned over the years. And my book, on the other hand, is written from the perspective of my many clients. Uh, Over my career, I've had dozens of successful, high net worth uh, commercial real estate investors that I've worked with. And I've learned a lot from them on what to do and what not to do in real estate investing. So the book is really a compilation of the wisdom I've learned from my clients over the 35 years of I've been in business, not just from my own personal experiences, So I think that's one particular advantage this book has over many of the books that are out there today. The second one is, is my book is one of the few books on real estate investing from the perspective of someone whose career has been financing commercial real estate. Uh, Almost all the other books uh, out in the market today are from the investor's perspective, and there's nothing wrong with that perspective, but I believe to be a successful real estate investor, you need to understand backwards and forwards, the impact of financing has on the success or failure of your rental properties. So you'll get topics uh, like how to prepare a professionally looking loan package that will get the lender's attention or how to get lenders competing with one another to get your business or the six things you must do with your property to to make it lender friendly. Those are some examples of what I have in the book from the financing perspective. And these are topics that even the seasoned real estate investors may not know. And that's why I think you should buy this book, Mastering the Art of Commercial Real Estate Investing.
1: Yeah, it sounds really helpful. I wish I would have had something like that as well. Let's tap into some of your 30 years of experience, especially around the financing, because that is huge if you put down just a small amount on your property and leverage the rest of it, it's a big return, which is pretty cool. How can people get the best possible loan for their investment?
2: Well, it isn't rocket science uh, for, for most people, but I, I think let's, let's start with the obvious. You know, really there are three ways you can go about financing a property. You can go back to a lender you've already done business with. Uh, You can shop the mortgage market on your own or you can employ the services of a commercial mortgage broker and those really are your only three choices and in the book i go through the advantages and disadvantages of each of these three options now you know, i admit right up front as a commercial mortgage broker that i'm biased i i believe using a, a mortgage broker is by far the best uh, possible choice of the three but if you decide to shop the market on your own i lay out a step by step plan for how you get the best possible loan for your property but there are There are four reasons, uh, Nancy, that I believe employing the services of a mortgage broker is the best alternative. One, he knows more lending sources than you do. I mean, he's paid to know more lending sources than you. He knows the lenders which are lending uh, uh, and are interested in your property type. He knows which lenders have the most competitive rates and terms. So that's the first reason. The second one is, is he's already established a good working relationship uh, based on trust with his lending sources, uh, they know each other 's idiosyncrasies, and because of their prior relationship, there is a high higher probability of getting the loan closed than if the borrower goes directly to the same lender so that 's the second reason the third reason compared to shopping the uh, the market on your own this this option takes significantly less time and effort on the part of the owner and then the fourth reason is is that and it 's this is often overlooked but it 's really important is that the mortgage broker can be your best advocate if things go wrong. And, and unfortunately, sometimes things go wrong. Uh, the lender wants to keep the mortgage broker happy because he brings them deals on a regular basis. and Because of that, he has more clout than you do. So if, if the loan begins to go sideways, they, they will do whatever they can to get the loan closed or they face the real possibility of losing his future business. The borrower, on the other hand, is viewed as a kind of a one-off transaction. Yes, they don't want to lose this particular loan, but they know if they do, it won't have any lasting impact on their loan production. Not so if if they permanently lose the business from the the mortgage broker. So a good mortgage broker um, is one that advocates strongly for his his client and has a little bit more clout with the lender because of past uh, experience with them.
1: I love brokers. I use them as well for my insurance. The only reason I do that is they do all the work. I don't have to make 15 phone calls to find the best place to get my insurance. Same thing with mortgage brokers. I let them do all the work, totally worth whatever their commission is. Absolutely. (laughs) I can't even, I totally agree with you on that. So one thing people know that you make money when you buy the property in the beginning. There's a lot of terms and ratios thrown out there like cap rate and this and that. You talk about some formulas and calculations people should know. Is that in your book as well?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Um, In fact, um, in my book, I I give the reader a short uh, 10-question quiz to find out how knowledgeable they are on the um, there's really six different types of commercial real estate calculations. And I give them a, a, uh, a, a quiz to find out just how knowledgeable they are. It's not surprising to find that, um, most investors may be knowledgeable in one or two of these uh, six categories, but rarely are they uh, knowledgeable in all six. Uh, the average score, uh, on this, uh, quiz is four and four is I've only had one person that scored a 10, uh, so it. Uh, and the uh, the point is, is that really to be a a savvy real estate investor, you need to have an understanding of all six. And those six are: how is commercial real estate valued? Uh, how do you determine the loan amount based on the lender's underwriting parameters? How do you calculate a property's cash on cash return? How does leverage impact a property's cash on cash return? You can either do it positively or negatively. How does uh, the loan amortization impact your investment? And and what are the minimum financial requirements that lenders require of of borrowers in order for them to be approved for a loan? So those are the six uh, types of calculations that if you're going to be really good in in commercial real estate, you need to know these uh, backwards and forwards.
1: I agree with that. That, Those are really good things to know, especially, I mean, cash flow is one thing at the end of the day, how much money you have, but your leverage, I was able to get into my first two, four families for only 10% down. I'm Mm. sure that doesn't exist anymore. Right, Doug?
2: Well, uh, not in my world. No, that's for sure.
1: Oh, I was so lucky to get in. These were only $150,000 properties, but to get in with Fifteen thousand dollars, like a, a nice bonus from a job, a W two job, was really really nice. Now I think, what is it, thirty to thirty five, maybe even forty.
2: Well, the if uh, if you're if you're buying, let's say apartments, you can get up to an eighty percent loan, but generally it's right around seventy five. If it's any other property type, uh, usually the maximum loan would be seventy percent of, of the purchase price, and sometimes it's less than that.
1: So your your book sounds jam packed with a lot of good things. Do you have like some overall sections? Like it sounds like there's one on the math. Yep. There's one. How about something on mindset, habits, things like that that make people more successful?
2: Well, it begins with um, it begins with principles of investing. So yes, the first couple of chapters are on actual principles before I get into more of the how-to's. So. Uh, there are four sections there there's purchasing, obviously, and then there is um, a financing and then there's uh, property management that you need to, the skills for property management. And then fourth is obviously selling. So I, I break the, the, the book down into those four categories, but it begins with learning the principles that I've, I've learned over the years of how, um, how, how, my clients have taught me, or I've observed, uh, the principles of being a successful real estate investor.
1: So, give us an example of you say that your books about the successes, but also the things that didn't go so well. Can you think of a particular story that you're like, oh, that just didn't go well, but now I know for next time?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, let me let you in on a, a little secret first. Not all uh, of my investments uh, have gone well. Uh, you know, it's just not one of those, uh, realities of life. And it'll probably be the case with you as well, uh, for all investors. Uh, so, um, n- now that I've, you know, kind of get, gotten that confession off my chest, maybe, uh, you can relate, but in the oh, summer absolutely.
1: of two Yes. <laughs> you know, isn't life, isn't life all about that didn't work so well. And we, you need to pick yourself up and do something different and it's scary.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, um, I will say that I've had some wonderful uh, results on my uh, real estate investing, but not all. And in the summer of 2007, Nancy, which, which turned out to be the absolute peak of the last real estate cycle, I along with a, a, a group of like-minded investors purchased a 32 unit apartment located in a small town. And at the time it seemed like it would be a really good investment. It had large unit sizes, And one-story buildings, it was located in a nice, quiet little town, and it had the potential uh, down the road, at least we thought, uh, that it'd have uh, the potential down the road to convert to condominiums. And I was thinking, hey, what could go wrong? Well, it turned out that a lot of things could go wrong, most of which uh, could not have been even predicted by the, the most knowledgeable of real estate investors to my uh, great relief, we sold this property a few years ago. And from the vantage point of time, I now realize that I really, I learned four, Nancy, I learned four invaluable lessons. And for the sake of of time, let me give you a couple of them. One is that market timing, uh, you know, is everything. The old adage, you make your money on an investment when you purchase it, not when you sell it, is so very true. And this investment had very little chance to perform well because, we simply paid too much for it. We uh, bought this property at the very peak of the real estate cycle. And, and if we had purchased it a year or two earlier at a much less inflated price, the, the property probably would have performed well. Um, and then the second thing that, that uh, I learned was there's a reason why properties in small markets have higher cap rates. And, and when the economy went bust in 2008, unemployment soared, vacancy rates rose, and rents flattened, and in some cases they declined because of concessions. But as bad as this was in the large metropolitan areas, it was far worse in the small towns, which uh, had higher vacancy rates, and it struggled with more significant rent concessions. And when the commercial real estate market finally turned around in the large cities, it was still another year or two before the small town that our property was located in, began to see occupancy rates rise and, and modest uh, rent, rent growth. So those are a couple of lessons that we learned. Uh, the other two I'll just quickly say is that never underestimate the cost of deferred maintenance. We thought we had plenty of money for deferred maintenance and we, in reality, uh, looking back, we, didn't, we weren't even close. And then uh, the fourth thing is, you know, you really need to pay close attention to your on-site manager. You know the old adage: "You get what you inspect, not what you expect," is very right. true. And this property was just far enough away that we didn't uh, go and inspect the the property or the, the the on-site manager often enough. And while we were, if we um, kept um, uh, going down and taking a look at this property, um, the manager did well. But as soon as we didn't, uh, the manager did not do well. And so I learned uh, the hard way that you have to um, make sure that you uh, pay attention to your on-site manager on a regular basis. So those are the four lessons I learned on this one property. It really didn't turn out to be that bad a property. We ended up with a uh, 7% internal rate of return uh, during this period of time. This is a time when the stock market was uh, was going very, very well so, Uh, a 7% return was kind of a humbling experience, but um, I learned some really valuable lessons.
1: That's great. And I've had those lessons too. In fact, my husband and I are talking about buying a condo in the mountains that we rent out when we're not there. And they've gone up, up, you know, like 25% since last year. And as much as we want one, I keep having to tell myself, these numbers do not work. These numbers don't work. Like we can't, it, we won't be able to rent it, even if it was ever, every day of the month, we would not be able to cover the expenses. Yep. So we're kind of on the fence. Like, do we do it anyway? Or do we just wait till the market drops? Have you had those thoughts before?
2: Oh yes. In fact, um, uh, one of the principles that, uh, that I think, uh, I see on a regular basis, um, is that the, the, the savvy real estate investor, the the one that's really seasoned, um, has to, uh, uh, or follows this particular principle. And that is be patient and wait for the the fat pitch. And it's a, you know, a baseball analogy where a pitcher behind on the count needs to get the next pitch over the plate. And he knows that. And more importantly, the batter knows that a good batter waits for the fat pitch. And in real estate, uh, the wise investor waits patiently for those investments that have the potential for being home runs. And what you have to do, uh, Nancy, you, you've got the right idea. You, if it, the, the the numbers do not pencil you wait, you just wait because at some point in the not too distant future, I believe we're going to be going into uh, we're right now in, in the real estate cycle. We've already peaked. We peaked about, at least in the Pacific Northwest, we peaked probably in, um, uh, for apartments, probably in the summer of 2016. And for all other property types, they are probably a year behind. That would so be 2017. And, uh, and now the market's just beginning to show signs of weakness. And it's, we're at the very beginning stages of that. And it's impossible to tell how quickly the market's going to change. Uh, I'm not going to try to predict it. But I can tell you that, that in probably in, in two or three or four years from now, you'll probably will be able to buy that uh, property that you were looking at that didn't, didn't pencil. And all of a sudden it's going to, it's going to do quite well. And um, because the, that owner is going to find out that their property is not cash flowing or they're not being able to sell it and that their property value is not as high as they expected it to be. And they'll lower that price at some point.
1: Yeah, it's all about taking the emotion out of it, though, Doug, right? Yes, you're like, it is.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. How
1: fun would it be to have a condo in the mountains? But totally, totally get it. So where can people find this book?
2: Well, this book is coming out in um, in December on a variety of different places, including Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com and other uh, online uh, places as well. But if you would like to pre-order the book right now, you can go to my website and go to marshallcf.com forward slash Nancy Gaines, and you can pre-order the book uh, today. And with that pre-order, you get a a copy of the first uh, couple of chapters in the book. So you have a good understanding of what uh, you're getting. And and there's a bunch of other uh, very free uh, content, very um, bonus content that I think you'd find valuable. Uh, that uh, you get immediately uh, upon pre-ordering the book.
1: Oh, that's really generous of you. Why don't you give the website one more time?
2: It is marshallcf.com forward slash Nancy Gaines.
1: So listener CF is commercial financing. C Commer- Commercial funding. Commercial funding. Perfect. Same letters. That's even better. Yeah. Doug, are you ready for the signature question we ask everybody? Absolutely. We love giving people back their time. So, if you had one more hour in the day, 25 hours, how would you spend your extra hour?
2: Well, I would uh, read. I would preferably like to um, read in my hammock with a a nice glass of red wine.
1: (laughs) I love the reds. Aren't they great? Yes, they are. They are my favorites. And you're in, are you up in Washington?
2: I'm in Portland, Oregon.
1: Okay. I've had some Washington wines that were pretty good. So that region must grow some nice reds.
2: They do. They do. In fact, my, uh, my son just came, uh, he's in the uh, Air Force, he's a major in the Air Force, and he just went over to Italy on some conference and he uh, uh, sent his, his parents back six bottles of Italian red wine that I am coveting right now.
1: Oh, how nice. I bet that was a fortune to ship that.
2: Yes, it probably was.
1: That's a great kid you've got there. Doug, what do you want to add that I didn't even think to ask you?
2: Ah, I don't know. I thought you did an excellent job.
1: (laughs) Well, you're full of so much knowledge. I was trying to pull as much as I can in our short time together. Do you have, well, you like to read, maybe you can share for the listeners a book that you would recommend, something that inspired you besides your own book, of course.
2: Well, I, I, uh, I am an avid reader and, uh, Asking me what my favorite book is, is like asking uh, a mother which is their, you know, which of their kids is their favorite child. So, um, but what I can tell you is if you go to my website and you go to my recommended reading list, there is a list of over 200 books that are on my, my list. And, and the only way they get on there is if they have to be worthy of being considered, um, uh, you know, a, a, an excellent uh, book to read. And then they're in a variety of different genres. And on there, I also have uh, uh, to the right of the book, uh, uh, there's 50 um, books that I've actually summarized, you know, usually a six to uh, maybe 10 um, page summary of the book. And that will, um, that will um, give you a real good understanding of the content of the book. And if maybe you, you read the, the, uh, the PDF of it, you might find it that's something that you want to read. Uh, so I, you can click on the, the book and it'll go directly to amazon.com and you can purchase it. So that's what I would suggest you do. Right now, I'm reading a, a book by Donald Miller and it's, um, it's a book called uh, Story Brand. I can't think of it, Making Your Story Brand or something like that. And it's really talking about how to market your yourself um, by using the the hero's journey. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the,
1: oh, with absolutely. the story. story. Absolutely, storytelling is so hot right now. It is. It's being able to do the hero's journey and connect with people and all of that. So I'm glad you're reading that.
2: Yeah, it's an excellent book. And he does a a particularly good job of making it understandable and to be able to relate it to your own situation. So I would highly recommend the book.
1: Very cool. Doug, thanks so much for sharing time with us to be on the show today. Lots of great tips. People seriously consider growing your wealth with real estate. It works. It's a little bit tough in the beginning, but as you get into it and you avoid the pitfalls that Doug has in his book, you are going to love it. I am looking for newer business owners interested in accelerating their business in just one year. I've got a group coaching called Turbo Ascent that is forming right now. It's a combination of coaching, training, accountability, peer advisors, and a think tank. take. Check out nancygains.com. Slash consulting to learn more and until next time go out and gain the advantage
0: you've been listening to the nancy gains show where you can gain the advantage to schedule a vip strategy day or speed consulting session with nancy connect with her on her website nancygaines.com that's nancy g-a-i-n-e-s dot on twitter nancy l Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.